This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast. Mark Schlarth alongside Mike Evans. Lots of NFL news as always. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, I'm good. Did yeah. you see? Well, we just had a parade here yesterday. Oh, it was awesome. That's what we do in Denver. We yeah. do parades. Avalanche last year, Nuggets yesterday. About uh, three quarters of a million people showing up. Uh, to watch the Michael Malone show. That was awesome. But while that was going on, the Chiefs had their own private ring ceremony where they got their Super Bowl rings. What's that event like, that moment like, when you get together long after the Super Bowl to celebrate the achievement? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's obviously it's one of those things that culmination of coming together, getting those rings, but just reminiscing about the journey to get there and what went on. And our first Super Bowl ring ceremony here in Denver was epic. It was legendary. It was awesome. And you know, we still we still get together when we get together for these reunions. You know, the twenty five year Super Bowl reunion, whatever it is, the twenty year, the thirty year. Um, I think it was I think this year is the 25th reunion of Super Bowl 33. And so we get together and we still talk about the party for Super Bowl 32. So we did it at, at the owner's house, Mr. Boland's house here in Denver and it was it was epic. Like he had in his backyard he had this big stage. Like so there's this big stage and it's just fully catered, you know, and it's it's this monstrosity of a 25,000 square foot house, whatever it is, right? And it's beautiful, and, and the food is all over the place, and the drinks are flowing, and everybody's having a great time. And then, and you remember, this is 90, 98, or 97 season, right? 98 Super Bowl. So the party's like in the spring of 98. And um, big stage, we don't know. Like, we don't know what's happening. And then iconic 80s just group, Cool in the Gang. Oh, Comes out. Celebration. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, they played for, we were on stage singing Celebration with Cool in the Gang. Like, we're the only people there. (laughs) But it was freaking, it was awesome. And it was, the the guys in the band were great, and they hung out, and, and, and they performed for probably, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half, whatever it was. And then it was just, I mean, it was just an epic party. It was so much fun. And we still, like, when we get together, man, we still talk about it. I've heard you guys together bring that up. You yeah. guys have brought that up many, many times. And it, it seems like we're right now in a uh, an era where mm-hmm. NFL teams, it's like they play Can You Top This? Right. Not only with the Super Bowl uh, ring ceremony, the celebration, but the size of the rings. So this latest ring, the Chiefs ring, includes 613 diamonds. Mm-hmm. Each ring. Each ring, yeah. Cool, or have they gotten a little, like, well, out of hand? Let's, the listen, Super Bowl rings. So I look at I look at my rings, especially Super Bowl 26 ring, and when I got that ring, I was like, I can't. 
ever wear this. Like, this is just like asking for attention. Like, oh my gosh, what is that? Right? I mean, it was so big. Now it literally looks like a class ring. Like I graduated from high school, right? Like <laughs> yeah, right. comparatively, came right. comparatively speaking to the, to what they're, you know, making these rings now. And the, and my Broncos rings are big and, and gaudy yeah. rings, but they're nothing compared to the rings that are being made today. Uh, those things are, they're absolutely insane. Um, but pretty cool, and obviously it's great. But I, I tell you, you know, you see them in. It looked like they were in at some hotel ballroom or something of that nature, where they're giving them the rings and that ring ceremony is going on. The cool thing about doing it, Mister B's house, is that it wasn't sterile. You know what I'm saying? It was just like this organic come together. Let's go to the owner's house and let's just get down. And um, and it felt really, it just felt really, it was just a really cool event. But um, as much as, you know, I hate the Chiefs with the white hot intensity <laughs> of a thousand suns, it's cool that they got it. It's cool what they've done, what they've accomplished. Um, they're a great football team, no question about it. So where would you put their chances of repeating? Oh, high. I mean, think about, you think about the AFC right now. And and this is, this is unbelievable. Um you look at the AFC, the number of quarterbacks in the AFC right now, and there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are going to get eliminated, a lot of teams that are going to be eliminated that have, I should say, it, a lot of teams that will get eliminated that have great quarterbacks. And so for the AFC, um, it really comes down to, when you think about it, it really comes down to location. Like the one location you want to be in is the, is the AFC South. Yep. So... I mean, you look at Jacksonville right now and the way they're currently constructed and the run they went on last year, I think it's pretty safe to say that Jacksonville probably finds themselves as the AFC South champions just based on who's going to compete with them in their own division. Houston's got a rookie quarterback, right? Indianapolis has a rookie quarterback. Uh, you've got uh, you've got Tennessee that has quarterback questions. Now, I mean, you could easily see them going. Okay, in that division, they're five and one at worst. So you're probably going to walk away with a division crown and at least one, like at least one game at home in the playoffs. And then you look at the rest of them. I mean, you've got Buffalo in in that division, the AFC East. You've got Josh Allen, who is you know probably class quarterback wise. Well, I, I shouldn't even say that because now you got Aaron Rodgers and you got Tua underneath that. And so you got three legit playoff contending QBs right there in that one division. You look at the AFC West, you got Russell Wilson should have a bounce back year under Sean Payton. You've got Justin Herbert, who is a phenomenal young quarterback. And then you've got, you know, the guy who everybody assumes is going to become the next goat in Patrick Mahomes. And he's certainly you know, arguably the best quarterback in in this division, and then you look at the the North. You got Joe Burrow, who's the best. You got you've got an MVP in Lamar. Now they're changing their offense. We'll see how that goes. You've got high hopes for uh, you know Kenny Pickett, even with the small hands in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Great coach. He's never been under five hundred. Mike uh, no, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. Right. So I mean, it's. So, oh, and Deshaun Watson. I mean, come right. on. This guy was the next dude until, you know, all the all the massage issues happened. Right. And still getting paid $230 million. Yeah. Still has the contract that nobody the, wants and, to go past. Right, and the Browns are, you know, they've got a legit roster. So, 
Let's play a little game. I know you love to play games. Mm-hmm. Give me the teams in the AFC that you think are playoff locks. I'm not even talking about winning their division, finishing with the best record right. in the AFC. I'm just talking about a lock to make the playoffs. Who are they? Okay, lock to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Seven AFC. teams. Seven teams make them, right? AFC West, Kansas City. Okay. AFC North, Cincinnati. Okay. AFC AFC East, Buffalo. Okay. AFC South, Jacksonville. I think those four teams are a lock. Okay. So, if everybody else is in that pool of maybe, maybe not, when it comes to making the playoffs, mm-hmm. think about the teams who have already identified their quarterback of the future who will not make the playoffs or who possibly could not make the playoffs. You've got, and I'll leave for the moment, I'll leave C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson out of it. Okay. okay. All right. But That's you're, fair. you're talking... You're talking about these following quarterbacks whose teams could miss the playoffs. These quarterbacks could miss the playoffs. You've got Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Tua Tonga Viola, Kenny Pickett, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Was that seven? You've got legit seven big-time QBs fighting for the final three playoff spots. If your locks are correct. If my locks are correct. Yes. Wow. But even if but my, that's why when you say location. Right. Even if my locks aren't correct, like, okay, let's say the Jets catch fire under Aaron Rodgers and they win the division. Mm-hmm. Buffalo's still going to be nestled up against them, right? Right. I mean, that the, that that group You'd right think. there between between Buffalo, between Miami, and between the Jets, I mean, that's tighter than mouse nuts. Like, that that is that. Can, can I pivot here? Yeah, is please. Buffalo... Do you get the sense at all that Buffalo is at a bit of a crossroads? Because they, they've knocked at it a couple times. Mm-hmm. But you think now, I, you know, you're starting to hear Sean McDermott. Is Sean McDermott in in danger? Well, that's, does, what, that's what you get, right? Does we, Josh Allen need an offensive-minded coach? Right. Right? And now, what's the latest? Stephon Diggs isn't happy. Yeah, there's a surprise. A wide receiver that's not happy. <laughs> he just got paid last year. I think in 2022 he signed like a four-year, $96 million deal. But now he's he's disgruntled? How are we going to get him gruntled? You know, when you're worried about getting somebody gruntled, <laughs> gruntled. Yes, like when you're worried about gruntling somebody, like really, dude? It's the off season. You got paid. We love you, right? You're, you're the go-to guy for one of the best quarterbacks in football. And you're disgruntled, and now we got to spend, we got to waste a bunch of energy trying to gruntle you. I mean, I mean, just for the love of, for the love of Pete, you know what? I I wish you would do go into a room, and see what the other dudes have to do on your team to get you the ball. See how the offensive line has to bust their brains. See how backs have to pick up blitzes. See how your quarterback stands in the pocket and takes one of the teeth to get you the ball. The hell is wrong with you? Okay, like, why but, are you upset? Really? Well, well, all right. Now hold on. I let don't. Me, let me let me add some context to this okay, because please. if you look at his contribution, his production over the first part of the season, and then compare it to the end of the season and then on into the playoffs, you know you've got games starting in December where he's got three catches, five catches, two catches. Then in the playoffs, the loss to Cincinnati in the playoffs, four catches. And even Josh Allen came out and said, I've got to do, he kind of fell on the sword a bit, 
Alan said, I got to do a better job of making sure I keep him involved. Right, because you know what you do with a petulant child? What you should do is spank him. That's what you should do. But what you have to do is you got to baby him. Oh, it's going to be okay. Hey, I'll be the bigger person. It's my fault. And get grow up. He, I mean, he attituded his way out of Minnesota. So what is he going to do now? Attitude his way out of uh, out of Buffalo because what? Your feelings are hurt. He's sitting out of minicamp with hurt feelings. T U R D. And I don't even know what's going on. But you know what? I can smell a turd. Hey, if everywhere you go it smells like shit, it's probably you, right? That's where I'm at. Like, I, uh, hey, listen, do I think? And Sean McDermott has basically given over the offense to whoever the coordinator is. Now, me personally, I think you need to become a more balanced offense. And I think the issues in the red zone for the Buffalo Bills, the interceptions, some of the issues, is because they don't efficiently run the ball. And I think they use too much quarterback. It's too quarterback-centric. They put too much pressure on Josh Allen. If you look at the running numbers of quarterbacks in the league, Josh Allen is like number two, number three. He's got, he's always at 700 plus yards rushing. He's always one of the top guys in carries and one of the top guys in yards. I think he was probably second to Jalen Hurts last year. It's, it, it is, they're astounding numbers. And you don't think about Josh Allen that way because it's such a spread offense, but they use him as a primary ball carrier. So I think their offense needs to change. I think you need to learn how to run the ball and dominate line of scrimmage in the red zone. You've got to do some of those things, not only to take off the pressure of Josh Allen, but to create some of the play action opportunities that will benefit guys like Stephon Diggs. And I think that's an offensive issue. And oftentimes I think in a day and age where you love to throw the ball and you love all that stuff and that's your offensive bread and butter and you've got that big strapping quarterback that can make any throw, can be late with a throw because he's so strong-armed that you rely on that too much and you don't take enough pressure off of that guy. You don't give him those, you know, I always talk to offensive coordinators about this, the importance of tank or breather plays. So let me define that really quick for you. A tank play is just a call it and run it play. You know, and some and some people call them breather plays. So the breather play, the whole concept of the breather play is, hey, man, if we're running 65 plays, 45 plus of those plays have some mental gymnastics that my quarterback has to orchestrate, right? Or we're running a check with me package or a, a can it package. Like based on the defense we get, we're going to go from this play to this play. We're going to go from run to pass. We're going to go from pass to run, whatever it is, right? Based on the indicators. So the quarterback's got to come up there and see those indicators and make sure he gets those players in the right formations. Hey, man, I got to know all the motions and all the formations. If somebody lines up in the wrong spot, I got to get them over here. Then I got to get the short motions going. I got all these mental gymnastics. And now all of a sudden we snap the ball and I got to read it out. Like I'm going one, two to three. Like if we're running some type of strong passing triangle, right? And and uh, hey, man, I'm reading the, you know, I'm reading the the flat defender. If the flat defender keeps wide and gets leverage, man, I'm throwing it inside. If he stays back and tries to take away the cook, uh, the hook curl, I'm taking it to the flat. And you know, there's, so there's all these things you got to think about while you're dropping back and you're orchestrating everything. Every now and again, I just want to give him a play where you go, hey, hand it off. Don't think about a damn thing, right? Mm-hmm. And to do that, you've got to be able to run the ball, and you've got to be able to be strong at the point of attack, especially in the red zone. And so you want to take that pressure off your quarterback 20 times a game. Just give him a breather. Just let him hand the ball off and not think about anything. Well, the the burden that Josh Allen 
carries for that team. It's it's astounding because not only all those things that you talked about playing quarterback, but mm-hmm. his role as a runner. Check this out. You would think as Josh Allen's career progresses that he'd run less, right? Yeah. No, it's going up. Mm-hmm. In fact, the last two years, he's been up around 122, and then last year, 124 carries. Right. Much higher than even his first three years in the league when you thought... Of him as a runner. Right. Yeah. He's running more. In fact, to your point about needing more balance, Devin Singletary ran the ball 177 times. Josh Allen ran 124. Yeah. Singletary was your leading rusher with 819 yards. Allen was second at 762. You can't have that. Not only can you not have that because of the balance part you're talking about. That's just not a long-term recipe for the, you know, the idea right. of having Josh Allen as your quarterback for 15, 17 years. Right, and I'll go back in the just back in my memory. When you look at him early, you think of it as a running offense, a a you know, a, a him running the ball. I think the thing that you have to kind of reconcile is he did run the ball. He's not running the ball as much as he did back then, but they ran the ball with a much higher clip back then as that offense started transition. So the running backs were getting more opportunities. So his opportunities are now going up. Some of it's scrambling, some of it's red zone runs, some of it, you know, I understand, you know, some of the quarterback run stuff that they have, but the bottom line is you're a hundred. I don't care that you're 6'5", 250. Eventually, you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to catch you in the chin, right? Somebody's going to catch you in the leg and you're going to... Yeah, don't I mean, even God say, forbid. Yeah, yeah, you don't right. even want to speak God forbid. Right, I don't. I know, I know, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. What you can't, saying, yeah. like, you look at Lamar over the last couple of years and the transition they're trying to make in Baltimore right now. In the last two years, man, he's played 12 and 12 games. And I, I, and I understand they're like, well, he got hurt in the pocket. Yeah, but the overall wear and tear on your body and the number of hits. You know, Russ Grimm used to tell me this, Hall of Famer Russ Grimm told me this was a young player when I first got in the league in 1989 with the Washington Redskins and there were the Hogs, you know, and the and the power and the counter tray and just and he just told me he he said, "Hey youngster, you only got so many counters in your body." Before your body just says, "Uh-uh, I'm not doing this anymore." There's only so many of those freaking collisions where you're screaming out of line of scrimmage as fast as you can run. It's seven yards, and there's somebody at the end of the line of scrimmage just uncoiling on your ass, trying to break you, right? And just, you know, and you're like, oh, my neck. It's like and one then, of those cartoons. Right? right, and then you walk back a little huddle, and you're like, oh, seeing stars, you know. Um, well, that's, the, that's, the, that's real shit right there, yeah, right? Yeah. And your body can only handle so many of those before things start to break. And you can only take so many hits as a quarterback, whether you're running it, whether you're in the pocket, whatever the case may be. But, you know, it's tough, though, because as, as, a, as a play caller, as a, as a coach, you're just like, man, what a weapon. Oh, yeah. What but, a weapon. Well, and then you also, and by the way, this is not, I, I'm not questioning Josh Allen's competitiveness. The guy just flat out loves oh, to compete. Dude, yeah. And you don't necessarily want to reel that competitiveness back in, but you really kind of have to, right? you got to protect the guy from himself. Here's what I get from every coordinator that has a running quarterback, whether it was Greg Roman with uh, Lamar Jackson, whether it's uh, Brian Dable in in New York with Daniel Jones, whether it was, uh, oh, Getze in Chicago with Fields, they all say, well, you know, you know, when you ask them about it, they're all very, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny because they're all, they're all the same and they're all very, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like tamping down, 
like nothing to see here, you know, like it, the, there may be smoke, but there's no fire going on here. We've put out the coals. They're all like this. Well, you know, you know, when you get out there and there's space, <laughs> the quarterback can really see and, you know, he can step out of it. He really takes less hits. John Harbaugh told me this, too. You take less hits running the ball than you do in the pocket. And those guys take bigger hits. Yeah, that's true. It's actually true. If you look at it, it's it's probably true until it's not. <laughs> right? The other thing you get when you carry the ball, and I carried the ball once. Ever tell you about the time I carried the ball? No. Oh, story time with Stink, everybody. This is always fun. Okay. Gather around. Yes. So I'm a rookie. I'm a rookie in Washington. Bill Kenny, backup quarterback, I'm sorry. Uh, I think I've already told you that, but I'm sorry, just in case you're watching. So we're playing the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. And um, I played center. Now, I played guard. I played center and guard in college. But I had played guard the whole time throughout my first year in the league, my first mini camp or my first training camp. So, uh, or excuse me, not guard. I played center the whole time in training camp. I had taken zero reps at guard. I was the backup center to Jeff Bostick. And so I take nothing but, but snaps, but I played guard in college. So we're in the midst of a preseason game and it's like fourth quarter and I've repped guard Zero times. So they take me out at center and go, hey, we're going to put you in a guard. I'm like, okay, right? So I trot out the next offensive series, right? I'm playing guard. And I don't know who it was, pass rush, maybe Al Noga. Uh, but so set up for a pass, you know, we're going to drop back at some five-step drop or whatever. Dude beat me like I was standing still. Like I didn't even touch him. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no. So now it's me and Al Noga you know, rushing the quarterback, right? <laughs> Watch out! Watch out! <laughs> and this guy, whoever it was, but just to say it was Al for the sake of for the sake of namesake, uh, put his helmet in Bill Kenny's ribs, boom, just crushed him. Ball popped up, and I caught it. So now you got to understand. I came out. I I ran four seven forty. You know, four seven two um, at two eighty. I covered kicks my rookie year. I, I was on kickoff cover my my uh, during the preseason. You're still an athlete at this yeah, point. Yeah, at this point, I can run. <laughs> and so the ball pops up. The quarterback gets crushed. His ribs are probably broken. Ball pops up, and whoop, I catch it. I turn, and it ain't nothing but green. Like, I like my instant thought. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I go, I'm going to score. <laughs> That's what I thought. So where's the ball at about this point? If you had, to... uh, probably like on the 35. You know, going, going in, okay. going in. Yeah. All right. And so I catch the ball, and I'm going to take off. And I kid you not, I didn't take three steps. And you remember the old Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker Mike Merriweather? Yeah. Outside yeah. linebacker, dude hit me in the jaw. <laughs> and I swear to you, I, I mean, I went limp. The ball is going to come out, right? I mean, it just knocks me out. I had no clue. Never saw him. Right in the jaw. Go, going down. The only thing, the only reason I didn't fumble is because, like, three other DBs hit me. And pinned the ball into my chest. And I, I, I kind of woke up on the ground in this mass of humanity. And I thought to myself, as I was laying there, note to self, don't 
ever pick up the ball again, you dumbass. Like, what are you thinking? And and the the point being is that when you run as a quarterback, it's not just the first guy. Yeah. It's the three guys that fall on top of you and, and catch you on the way down. And so it just it it's yeah, it's something for sure. By that time, by the way, I recovered, you know, half a dozen fumbles over the course of my career. I never once ever thought about picking one up and trying to run with just it. Fell down. I just getting on it. Just get on that thing and cover up. What was your rule, by the way? Tell the tell the story. What was your rule about uh interceptions or fumbles going back the other way? Oh, find somebody to block you and get tied up. Like that because I can't tell you how many times I got Bruce Smith got me, Leslie O'Neill got, because you're holding somebody the whole game, right? And they're so pissed at you. And as soon as the ball gets intercepted, first thing you break down and get your head on a swivel, right? Because you're like, somebody's going to try to, somebody's going to try to knock me out, right? That was the way. It used to be like on screens and things and peel back blocks and stuff. It was like, it's like a badge of honor. You try to knock the dude out. And like, if you didn't, I would, I would be like, hmm. Yeah, you know, like that's the lack of respect for you. Like you're supposed to, you're right. supposed to try to break the dude's jaw. Right. That's how the game worked back then. And so, you know, I mean, I just break down. Going, okay, what? And so, if, if there was somebody like get tied up, like I can't get off. He's walking me. <laughs> you know? Maybe the running back or the guy the intercepted goes, "Well, you, you stick out an arm." You're like, oh, "I got it." I got, you know. But you go dropping down there, like, oh yeah, like. Did you, you always make it a point to just be in the? The film just long well, enough. Well, if the, if the guy's going the opposite way and you're chasing him, I'm not going to catch him. Like, if, if I always said this about just that in general. If the play goes 40 yards and I'm the guy chasing, like, somebody's going to score. Either we're scoring or they're scoring because <laughs> I ain't catching anybody, right? So we used to have this rule, you know, that you get fined if you weren't in the picture. So the film will follow the play. And so you have a sense of how that works, right? And when you're going to be off screen. <laughs> so what ends up happening is you chase as hard as you can, but you start to chase and start to just lose. Like you're, you got oh, your first three steps are just, you got to run your arms. You got to go. And then you just start leaning, leaning, <laughs> leaning until you know you're out of frame. And then you stop running because you're not going to catch anybody. But I would just be ah, and I'm done, right? <laughs> and the guys zipping down the other way, you know, whew, those little DBs. Stink, make that effort. Yeah. Look at the effort for the man. Well, where'd he go? I don't know. He got, <laughs> off, got, it, got off the film. Oh, this guy's uncanny. Great. Fellini. I'm like a director. Anyhow. On that note. All right. All we'll right. end it we'll there. We'll exit the frame now. Yeah, right? we're exiting stage <laughs> left. Hey, for everybody involved in the Sink Truth Podcast, we truly appreciate you guys. For Mike, I am Mark. Please download it, like it, share it, do it, whatever it is you do with it. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening on a week-to-week basis. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week.